Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Well, if you're following the spiritual path of any sort, you're going to have to put it down for a moment because we're not allowed to have any predisposed opinions on this one. Instead, it's all about experiencing a whole new way of looking at everything, and then you can come back to your comfortable path. A brand new person as we talked to Franshaw, Dr. Franshaw, who has written a fascinating book, Lord Have Murphy. Yeah, Murphy, I'm not I'm not stuttering or anything. It's called Waking Up in the Spiritual Marketplace. Franshaw, welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Show. So glad to have you here. Hi, Carol. Very glad to be here with everybody. All right. So I know you're the author of Lord Have Murphy, but now you have to give us some pithy sort of awakening or, or consciousness raising as we enter into the first phase of talking about your book and your ideas. So what is your first sense of waking us all up dive us into that clean cool pool you want to go really deep right away let's let's do it let's uh, shatter our our skin cells go for it <laughs> all right and and i'm i'm going to assume a level of self-awareness in the entire listening audience in other words oh. who, whoever is listening uh, and including me listening to my voice and you listening to my voice um, at the same time, just has an impression of, you know, possibly my posture in the chair and and the, the sounds coming in and just an awareness of myself here, you know, from the top of my head to my seat on the chair to the soles of my feet, just that I'm inhabiting my body with attention. I, that's the kind of thing we do when we're, uh, you know, practicing yoga or uh, mindfulness. So here I am, and I'm more and more attention in my body. And I'm just going to say this, <laughs> that uh, because it's really what the heart of the book is. Although there's a you know a lot of humor around it to sort of attract us to it, but the heart of the book is that the idea that today there are many uh, pathways that prepare us for a higher level. Yet we may not realize that beyond concepts and techniques, there is a finer attention, a sacred energy that's coming into us. Of course there is. It's our life force. There's a lot of, a lot of names for it, no words for it, a lot of names for it. Um, I, I like to call it a finer attention, higher intelligence, sacred energy. And it's recognizing its touch that takes us from self-awareness across the threshold into awakening. It's uh, another level. And we all have had moments uh, of of this uh, very concentrated uh, blazing up of consciousness and awareness. Perhaps it's looking into the face of our child or walking by the ocean or in coming out of, you know, meditation session or yoga class, this, this, this awareness of being very intensely present and of something uh, bright and light and um, 
amazing, <laughs> just flowing through us that brings with us a kind of a balance, a kind of feeling of peace. Uh, I'm here and I, I feel, you know, somehow I'm at home. And we just are not quite sure uh, how to you know, make that happen again. Uh, and so the book is all about how one can join with this animating energy that's coming into all of us at every moment, that's so very near at every moment, always here, always available, how one can join with this animating energy and, in a sense, find and stand in the place in oneself where both streams coexist. Everyday life, Fran talking, you listening, and at the same time to see if I can become aware of and recognize this very subtle uh, I guess you could say vibration, energy, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's, it's all unknown. That's animating us right now, animating the speaking and, and, and all of us on the planet, the one energy that we all are, the one whatever it is that we all are. And that's what the book's about, living in both streams at once, because I feel it's the next step. It's certainly the next step for me personally. Oh, that there is it so is. Oh, okay. Thank you, friend. You know, it's so interesting that you talk about the two streams. I'm reading this on my um, my Kindle version, I guess that is. And um, the and by the way, you can order this on Amazon. It's called Lord Have Mercy: Waking Up the Spiritual Marketplace with Dr. Fran Shaw. And 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 while I'm reading it, Fran, I realize that one page always seems to me like one level type of consciousness, and the other page always seems to leap into the other. I don't know if that's just the way it's formatted on my Kindle. It's not like one's very earthy and kind of lost and the other one's very profound and kind of found <laughs> it's like it's profound <laughs> the mercy seems to have kind of find a wisdom that can be held on to and then it goes to the next page where it seems kind of lost and, and confused <laughs> going, oh poor mercy it's going from one place to the other one place to the other is that the way it was like writing it or did you intend that to be so it's very interesting, the writing of it, because if you look at the other books, you know, I'm a professor, I teach creative writing, been teaching for many, many, many years, and I've written a lot of books on writing and other kinds of books. When I sat down on sabbatical to write uh, a book, I had to write a book, and uh, hmm. what, hap- what happened, because that's what you have to do on sabbatical, <laughs> what happened was I, I, thought, I thought, well, you know, why not write about what interests you most, higher consciousness, because it will compel you to try to be uh, awake while you write it. <laughs> Otherwise, what are you doing? And so um, I started trying to write about, uh, you know, I've been in a discipline for many, many years also, uh, and it's just so wonderful, this journey, so wonderful. And I've been reading a lot of things that were just making spinach out of it, which was like, oh, no, oh, no, it's so wonderful. Where's the joy? And But I couldn't write about it. And then all of a sudden I was looking at these drawings by uh, Bruce M. Sherman that I happened to have with me. I was going to do captions for them. They're very funny, witty drawings about searching for higher consciousness, They're, as you can see in the Kindle version. And, and oh, those are not your looking. drawings? I thought those are yours. No, those are, those are Bruce M. Sherman's drawings. Um, and they he had written uh, next to one of the drawings of this uh, kneeling figure with a bird on his head looking up. And he had written, Lord, have Murphy. And I thought, that's it. That's it. You know, if you don't have any humor about our situation, you know, 
and uh, then you're lost. So then I wrote Murphy here, and then all of a sudden this other voice took over, and really like gangbusters. And this Murphy voice, very, very funny, lots of puns, as you know, manipulationships, yeah. knee-jerk reactions. You know, he's a seeker. He's a searcher. He's a you know, wannabe writer, wannabe artist, and he's got his, he's kind of like that New York sensibility uh, or L.A. Yeah. sensibility, you know, kind of a wise <laughs> guy sort of. And he's yeah. looking at the spiritual marketplace, and he's finding it just a little bit, um, you know, you know, writing about the mystery has its dangers, namely putting one's hands all over it, you know. So he thinks this is like, <laughs> so he thinks it's a little smelly, as he puts it. And I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there laughing, and it's coming out. But there's a second voice in the book. Did you notice the editor's notes? Oh yeah, there's of a, course. There's two. There's two voices. So there's this Murphy who's seeking and who's looking at his own, you know contracted states when he gets identified, when he gets angry, when he gets, you know, down the rabbit hole. But there's also the editor's voice, and that was the, that's the, sort of the the uh, balanced voice, a higher voice, not the teacher exactly, because the, the, the voice is actually telling Murphy, asking Murphy questions so he can write a better book on the topic. But in the, in the editor's notes, uh, that voice is there to, uh, you know, sort of underpin, you know, the, the sort of, breakneck speed with which Murphy, you know, does all of his parodies and jokes and underpin it with absolutely this this message that I had mentioned at the beginning, which feels so strong to me that we are on the brink of discovering how mobilizing our attention can open us to this whole other level of being alive and the first to see if we can recognize and actually directly perceive this subtle energy that's penetrating the body and moving through it, we can perceive that because we're human beings. And when I have a perception of both this, you know, the one that's talking, you know, I know I sound very woo-woo, but Fran talking, when I have a perception of, you know, my posture and my uh, set of my jaw and my hands and my feet, and I'm sort of uh, sort of aware of the physical presence, my attention can become so concentrated in a second, I could become so totally receptive and sensitive that I can actually perceive something of, you can too, everyone can and probably does at moments, this uh, animating quality, this finer attention, and can join with it. When I'm in sort of the, in the middle of these two streams, when I can be aware of both streams at the same time, that's when I come into balance. That's when I feel that, that I'm actually a human being <laughs> and and I know you know what I'm speaking of Carol I just a we wouldn't be having being. this conversation if you yeah, if you didn't yeah and it's so it's it's so interesting because it the, the whole term of attention I found myself attentive to it and also I found myself very tense while I was reading about many of his dilemmas Murphy's dilemmas I guess we're calling them him and or her, it, and and at the same time, I felt like the attention was so self-occupied, so self-conscious, so self-oriented that I just wanted to watch agree that eclipse the ability to feel that peaceful unification and and I wanted to ask you that question somewhere in the interview, so I'm just going to do it right now. When does when does the self-preoccupation become blaringly boring, unnecessary, and blinding, and and therefore not attention, and when do we need to pay attention 
to ourselves in a way that liberates. Well, uh, you know, um, I think there's a little passage in Chapter 3, if you'll permit me. It's about two paragraphs where Murphy's talking. So you hear his voice, but then you also hear when there's a shift in his voice when he finds again this thread uh, and I think it's, it happens many, many times during the book, you know, because it's really about the book is really uh, appeals to both, you know, everyday self, and a lot of people find it extremely funny, and yeah. also to this, you know, higher self. So um, there's this section where he's talking about, and uh, this may be interesting to you and your audience because you know, very much interested in relationships between couples and marriages and relationships with people and things like that. So there are these two little paragraphs. Uh, is it okay if I um, get Oh, I'd love it. Yes. All right, and then you could tell me what you think. Yeah. So this is from a Chapter 3 of Lord Have Murphy, where it's uh, the chapter that I called, it's actually hyphenated, Lord and Murphy, which is the idea of living in both streams at the same moment. And instead of just going back and forth from being really asleep and really in a contracted you know, state where I have no self-awareness to actually going all the way through self-awareness to, to being awake in this other finer energy. So anyway, here's what he says. Heart closed. Heart open, heart closed, like a rubber band that stretches wide, wider, and then springs back taut. People as things in my way, hard to take, the unbecoming behavior, my own included, or, underneath it all, just people, fragile, tough, buffeted, trying, and a particle of the divine in every one, except those guys on the news. When in I know, you can't read this. When in closed mode, I should be nicer. I should be kinder. I'd settle for neutral or detesting the behavior, not the person. Like you love a toddler, despite the messes. Sounds good in theory, but how do you make yourself instantly feel a certain way? So I huff and puff to accept myself and others. Good luck pushing that boulder up the Himalayas. All mm. sorts of manipulationships going on there. Mm. And then, in the blink of an eye, the discovery. Focused attention yields to finer attention. Opening into light, flecked space where there is no should. So vibrant that every breath is not mine, but life breathing me. An energy permeating whose very nature carries the fragrance of all loving. Murphy can't accept, but this energy can. A moment in it, and there is radical change, an altogether different creature here for the moment. A quality pouring through that compels attention. We are made for love, for a flowing through into the world. Meet Lord and Murphy, human being. Wow. I do have to say to everybody, this is a book that I thought I'd be able to read in one sitting because it's not long. But as I was reading it far too rapidly in one day, I realized this is a book that really requires meditating on each of the chapters. So what is your meditation that you leap from that passage, Fran, that that shifts us from the Murphy human to the Murphy all being? Yes, uh, there's another chapter, that's an early chapter at the end of the book. In fact, the last few chapters are about um, sort of 
picturing this this world in which we are waking up, <laughs> you know, what this world is like for those that are beginning to awaken, all of us, which I know are beginning to awaken because it, it is happening. And there's a chapter called Wake Book in which, of course, Murphy talks about a possible process to that that brings about this receptivity to the uh you know direct perception of this energy animating us and he talks about it in terms of as if it were a, a new app he calls it an opens the source app and uh and the first um, st- step in it is what he calls observing mode and it's like i think he uses the term reality show me it's as if there's at any moment uh, without changing anything about me, Fran, Murphy, Carol, people listening, without changing anything about me, there can be this seeing of me. There can be this uh, shift into almost as if a camera is on me, just this neutral receptivity, this neutral uh, looking as if I'm under observation, as if a camera's on me. Right away, that's the toe in the door. So if I'm, you know, down the rabbit hole, uh, you know, on the computer, on the cell phone, uh, you know, obsessively thinking about something, or very upset about something, or just brushing my teeth in a complete daze, if I can remember this, and of course you can leave post-it notes around the house, not, not, not out of the realm of possibility, to just see myself here, just, oh, camera on, camera on so i have the camera on me now i just have a pr- an impression of my physical the form the physical body there's no judgment in it it's just this shift uh of of bringing you know some kind of an observing part of my mind to look at an object the object happens to be my body when i can connect those two together in that way and then my feelings Join like I'm interested in. Oh, wait a minute! I'm being seen. Oh, I'm beginning to sense my body. Things are my perception is changing. I'm much more here now. I'm much more aware. That uh, makes possible the uh, perception of much subtler impressions, and uh, including what is actually animating us. <laughs> and that he calls receiving mode. Observing mode, which persisted in it, you know, in a very neutral way, opens into receiving mode. And the receiving mode means that, as you heard from the passage, you know, folks' attention yields to this finer capital A attention, an attention that is not mine, not in my control, thank God, not mine, but what I am, <laughs> what I am beyond the form. So, uh, he talks about that at length in in that chapter called Wake Book, and then moves on to talk about um, what it's like, what the world will be and can be and is becoming uh, when we are uplifting the planet with um, some kind of a circulating higher consciousness that's beginning to circulate. I don't know if that answered the question, but that's the shift that we're interested in. Very simple. I don't have to change anything about myself. I don't have to quiet myself. I don't have to fix myself. I don't have to affirm myself. It has nothing to do with Fran. It's a shift in attention, having enough attention, my own attention, to be able to join this other finer attention. It's very freeing because, uh, God, who wants to have to fix themselves? You know what I mean? I mean, you know, in order to wake up, 
you can you can the only thing that has to change is where the attention is, and that's what the book is trying to talk about. Oh, that's interesting. So then, what happens after the attention goes to that kind of higher indwelling and outdwelling? What what happens when we we finally are able to be in the giving modality? What modality? Say that word again, Carol. The giving modality. The giving. The giving. Yes. Well, it's interesting because for myself um, personally, I can only give what I receive. I can only give at the level of quality that I receive. If I'm receiving impressions of a very, you know, finer quality, you know, very uh, light, not a dense, heavy impression, but, you know, of light, uh, of sound, of this animating energy, then somehow that can come through me and I can bring it into my activities. I can bring it into my speaking. I can bring it into my classroom. I can bring it into my relationship with someone else. Because you see, it, it, that I'm not so interested in changing everything about everybody around me or controlling it. I'm so attracted just to be joined with this quality that's animating me because the goodness of it just, just pours through and it's, it's sacred. It's just it brings love, it brings compassion, not a forced kind of acceptance, not a forced kind of, I've got to try to do this. The very nature of this uh, vibrating thing that's animating all of us, its very nature is is a, uh, that unconditional um, loving so that I can give so much more, you know, that's when I can begin to give when I'm in the stream of attention uh, because I'm not giving. Something much greater is giving through me, and I can be uh, sincere. And uh, it's a, it's a very different state. It's as different uh, as you know, knowing night from day. Uh, and it's great if one can begin to become responsible for uh, one's state, and know when one is more awake and in this awakening, uh, and when one is you know reactive and asleep and just letting just aggression just just pours through me because there's nothing here that uh is receiving impressions in a in an intense fresh way every every thought every object every impression every sight every sound just causes a reaction and then there's an automatic response i think that's how aggression just gets pushed right out into the world again i I don't want to be a conduit for aggression anymore i want to be able to the buck stops here you know i want to be able to have um, both streams be in a place where i'm aware of both this energy animating me and this uh, person just normally behaving because then i have a chance to really uh you know, be in the world in a loving uh, way, change an atmosphere around me and then around everything around me. So that's the aim for me personally. Well, that's so interesting. You know, uh, as I'm listening to you, I'm aware of this kind of a, a amorphous way that you communicate in terms of walking around and around and around until finally you zing into the target. But as if it's uh, an exploration as you walk around awareness until finally it just kind of you move into it and you, you get to be flooded by it. That's the way your book affects me. And along those lines, I think the uh, the message that so repeatedly comes out is that is is the wish to not elevate any one guru over another. That the process is the process, the paths are the paths. 
I should say the processes are the processes, the paths <laughs> are the paths, the gurus are the gurus, but that none need be elevated over the other. We're all in the process of morphing into our, into our enlightenment. Do you want to address that for a moment? Well, I love that you're punning, morphing into alignment. Can I use that? That's so good. <laughs> Bravo, morphing, right? We're just morphing into it. It's so good. Yes, the good news is, and of course I have a, I have a, a wonderful uh, teacher. I, uh, I feel at certain points in one's um, evolution <laughs> uh, that a teacher who is awake who is vibrating in a certain way is the key because you can be with he could be reading the phone book and you are vibrating in the way he is there's something in the way he is and he or she is internally aligned that somehow when you're in the presence uh physical presence of someone who is um, awake in that way something in you internally aligns that connections are made and then all of a sudden what's flowing through him is flowing through you you're in it you're in the unity together you're you don't know exactly what happened but you know your level of consciousness is going up. So I'm not saying no teachers. Uh, Murphy has a whole section about teachers in uh, one of the chapters in Lord of Murphy. And the good news is that I think that at a certain point, um, and the the outer teacher is pointing to and making you uh, aware of the the true teacher that's in all of us, the good news is it's in all of us, and it is this finer attention. The finer attention is the teacher. When I live in it, it knows better than I do. It bypasses thought, has nothing to do with thoughts or concepts. It's actually living in a, in a quality that teaches, that that, that shows, shows so much about what, gives me meaning in, in, in my life. I know why I'm here when I'm in it. Uh, and it's not a thought about why I'm here or a thought about serving or a thought about changing or anything like that. None of that's there. It's just if I can be in it, I know why I'm here. And the um, so the attention is the teacher. For, and that's what Murphy discovers, attention with a capital A. I need my attention to be able to be mobilized. And that's what all these mindfulness practices are doing for us. We have a whole yeah. toolbox you know, of that. I'm aware when I brush my teeth. I'm aware when I you know, wash my hands at the sink. I become aware when I try to eat food, not to change my behavior. You know, I'm not some sort of little zombie walking around, oh, I'm aware now. You know, I, we have to be able to get on the bus running, as Murphy says. You know, like I have awareness even while I'm just being a regular human being. And then at the same time, when it's possible and at certain moments to see if I can notice that this other quality is blazing up in me. It feels like a, a very amazing blazing. <laughs> and then I realize there's another quality here and I can be aware of that at the same time. Sure, it does take practice. First, you have to recognize it. And the, the paradox is I don't know what I'm seeking until I actually find it. And then once it's found, one can recognize it again and again. And I think so many people have had this experience but are not really recognizing what what it is when there is an actual shift into awakening. And that's that's what we hope for. But attention is the teacher. Attention is the key. Uh, and understanding levels of attention and kinds of attention, very important at this moment for all of us. I, or I like this this statement, the kinds of attention, because I think there's a kind of attention I pay when I'm remote viewing that's different than when I'm astral projecting or a different 
kind of attention when I'm meditating on my third eye or when I'm trying to influence someone out of love. You know, it's like I, there's a, so many different types of attention. Attention that I give my clients in my office is different than the attention I gave your book while I was reading, for example. So tell us the types of attention, because I think they all are paths toward enlightenment. Mm-hmm. But oh, yes. that's my assumption. So talk to us about that. Well, I don't know whatever um, what everyone's you know, path is is to be, uh, you know, every flower, as they say, opening its own time. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know what is right for you or for him or for this one over here or that one. Um, all I can speak from is what uh, I've discovered this lifetime uh, for myself. The The idea of different kinds of attention, I mean, we certainly know at least three that are important. One is just the, you know, we might call it mechanical attention, the kind of thing that keeps us alive when we're driving in a car, but we're not paying attention to the road, but something is paying attention to the road. You know, like the person that's driving in the car, that's kind of like a, you know, you're driving in the car and there's a, 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 a very great wisdom in the body, a wonderful attention in the body to keep it safe and protected. So it's it's paying attention to the road. But you might be thinking something else and be daydreaming in your head about this or that. And, of course, Murphy talks about it in the in the chapter on different kinds of travels in the state of identification, I think is what it's called. And, you know, I'm dreaming about, uh, you, know, th- you know, the wedding and then I'm going to do this later. And, and yet the car is driving and you're behind the wheel and you're driving. So that's a mechanical level of attention. And, of course, we would love to infuse that with some self-awareness. So then there's the whole spectrum of self-awareness, which is I'm intentionally, each second, I'm activating my attention. I'm not a passive attention like behind the wheel of a car, but an activated attention where I'm trying sort of second by second to be connected to my body, as one does in yoga class, for instance, uh, or I'm sure as you do with remote uh, viewing or any kind of remote healing, you have attention in your body. You're filling your body with attention, I'm I'm guessing. Is that is that so, Um Carol? Well, remote viewing is about mental attention. Uh, astral projection is about aware of the astral body in contrast to the physical body. Uh, you know, you use like, the word aware. Uh, in a sense, yeah, I would think that aware and attention is uh, uh, either in both, both as I'm getting too esoteric here. Yes, I think they're all different types of attention and awareness. <laughs> yes. So aware, though, means um, aware means instead of my uh, field of attention being very, very contracted and passive, such as uh, uh, when I'm just, you know, when I'm not aware of my body, when I'm not aware of the sounds in the room, when I'm not uh, aware of, uh, you know, the whole whole big wide field of impressions that we live in every day, but I, but somehow my body is just, you know, going with this or going with that. I'm very much in my head. This I'm a big queen of being in my head, you know. So I know a lot about this. I'm in fear mode. I'm in desire mode. I'm in thinking mode. Think, 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 think. Work it out. Solve the problem. Solve the problem. <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. So yes. when I'm aware that I've, um, I think this is how Murphy puts it when he talks about contracted modes of, of attention and passive attention and then moving into active. He says something like, um, is that the sun blazing gold across the horizon? I hadn't noticed because my world has contracted to the size of a kumquat. 
so oh. <laughs> when I, when my world has gotten very small, you know, I'm just really obsessing about something, and and I'm sort of in a sense lost, and that happens to Murphy as you well noted during the book. He he gets lost for moments and different things, just as we get lost. So then that's the that is the reminding factor. That's the hit over the head, the Zen monk hitting you on the, over the head. Hey, let's come to. When I get sort of hit over the head, I'm way down the rabbit hole, and I feel I'm either discouraged or I'm nervous or I'm whatever. Usually those states are more noticeable than, oh, isn't it a beautiful day? I'm so happy. But anyway, we got plenty of chances because we suffer a lot. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. that's, the, that's like a neutral bell ringing saying, oh, come on, you could, ex- you could go wide again with your attention now you're just in a contracted state there's nothing wrong but you're in a contracted state so then attention can be activated i could begin to listen to the sounds in the room aside from the voice the other sounds in the room my peripheral vision can go wide in a moment i can begin to sense my body as if i can inhabit my body with uh, awareness sensation I could have this camera on me again. There's so many ways in. I could have this, mm-hmm. this camera being seen. That's activating attention. That's the self-awareness. And as I said before, this kind of seeing, this sacred quality of seeing, just letting myself be seen and seeing, seeing uh, permits this relationship with this finer energy. If I, it's sort of like I can always see myself here. I can always go into that from any mode, and it's very freeing. It's endlessly freeing because of that. And it, it's the seeing. If seeing can continue long enough, can be sustained, if attention can be activated and sustained long enough in this body, then that permits a, 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 a connection with this, uh, the subtler impressions of, of this mm. other quality. And that mm. finer attention is a whole other level of attention. That's, a, mm. that's also an unlimited dimension, by the way. So who knows? Mm. I mean, it's like the unknown, but it's, it's palpable and it's something that balances me, you know, it brings us into a f- more being fully human. I think it's our birthright to be in that quality of mm. attention. Mm. So, Again, same same answer, <laughs> different question. <laughs> well, you know, and that's and that's so interesting because that, that is an interesting thing you just said. Same, it's like that's the way I, the book I experienced the book was like as if we were rotating around the same set of questions from different perspectives at any given moment, which perhaps is exactly the way spiritual ascension is in, in many respects as we file around. You know, the other day, I, well, actually last night I was. Standing outside looking at the very end of the eclipse that's supposed to be unique and not supposed to happen for another 400 years. Very mindful mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to be around. I'm not going to be around in 400 years. But I'm standing alone in my cul-de-sac watching this, and I know that all my neighbors are tucked in their house, either sleeping or working or spending a nice Sunday night and uh, doing whatever that they're doing involved in that. And, and I had actually just come out of my house after finishing some work for the evening and realized that I had missed too much of the eclipse. And I thought, wow, you know, here's this amazing event. And I'm the only one out here. And not to, not to judge, because that's part of your book. And I love the part of the book about not judging. That's awesome. 
not to judge, but at the same time to experience almost my sadness that we weren't all out there going, oh, wow, amazing. And then also realizing that someone up there, someone down here figured out it would be 400 more years that they understood this incredible matrix of the bodies of the heavens that are so far and big and wide and broader and more complex than, than we are and that I'm I'm barely a dot on the mental brot of our of our existence, and it, it it just it was just like such a moving moment where I I both felt my smallness and everybody else in their in their exercise of life just like I had just come out of the house, and here I'm so small and yet I'm participating in something that's so grand and so grand and yet we can take it for granted, and I couldn't help but think about your book and the process of all that. <laughs> Any comments? I, I think that's wonderful. I'm going to take complete credit for you having that moment. No. <laughs> I think it was Thoreau that says, no, really, I think it was Thoreau said something like, you know, uh, we can appreciate beauty only with an awakened mind. So obviously, you know, and, and being in nature, and nature like, it helps us go wide. We just go wide with our attention when we're looking at the sky. In fact, I think Murphy has this saying, go wide, says the ocean, says the sky. I feel like you mm. really, that's what, that's what occurred. You know, you were receptive and uh, you weren't judgmental. I mean, all these are the qualities. That's what I'm saying. We have these moments that are so powerful the, the sky, the, the the moon, what it looks like, and just to, just to take a minute and receive impressions. It's something that we really don't do too much. All these impressions can be received in uh, in awareness, and then we have a whole completely different joyous experience of being alive and it's around us at every moment i mean the sky is always there uh, maybe not this amazing incredible uh ruddy moon and the uh, eclipse and some, something cosmic but the fact that you felt so and can we feel so connected to something we're just like this little blip on the other hand we have the same energy flowing through us as every living everything living and what is living? I mean, how many things are everything? Is like, so um, mm-hmm. I think that's a marvelous thing that you talk talk about, and it's exactly what uh, you know we we hope for that that uh, that we can be able to receive these kinds of uh, impressions with this open heart and this something in you can vibrate in a different way looking at the looking at that moon, looking at the sky, and feel what your place is in the whole scheme. You're part of it, you see? You feel like you're part of something very, very vast. And that's so exciting. And I think it's true. So what's a wonderful story, Carol. Wonderful. Brings it right down to yesterday, today, and and right now. <laughs> okay, so there's too much to discuss about your book, but I'm going to focus us on love. And I'm going to... I'm going to quote my favorite spot in the book. I've burned, I've, I've, I've burned a red mark in my, my tablet here because of it. He who binds to himself a joy does the winged life destroy, but he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. That is an amazing quote, and you elaborate on that amazing uh, poem or 
pros, the juicy morsels, you call it, right smack dab in the middle of your book on the section on ownership. And I just, uh, I think it's so much reverberated, something you don't really say too much in the book about, which is love. And yet on some level, it's that awe and that reverie that, oh, wow, that's akin to whether we love an object in the moment or we love a person in the moment or we're in love with the, the spiritual experience of life. Where would you take that amazing little four line so interesting shows how connected we are. I actually read <laughs> those four lines before. I was just kind of looking through the book while we were before going on the air with you, and that's what I read. I thought, oh God, let's read those four lines again. I just <laughs> recite those four lines, and then you recited them back to me. So possibly this is the cosmic message for our call and for ourselves. <laughs> he who I'm just going to do it from 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 memory, but he who binds to himself a joy, does the winged life destroy. But he who kisses a joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. I love that. I, I, I think it says a lot about how we have this um, uh, kind of uh, habit, a kind of a, a mental habit. And, of course, we're in a at this we're affected very much by others around us and the world around us of of believing things and owning things and believing and owning things, you know, when really on a certain level, uh, nothing belongs to me. <laughs> right. You know, all all these things that I that I quote identify with, uh first of all the body, you know, Fran and and the uh, uh, possessions and and spiritual possessions, like spiritual ideas. I think I own those as well. It's like, hmm. hmm, there's a certain currency to that, and you'll see certain quote unquote gurus who, you know, they are going to tell you a lot of things. They they take ownership of these things. You know, these are gurus that are not really you know awakened people, but and you can discriminate among those for sure. Um, so. Uh, this idea of um, uh, ownership, as, as Murphy calls it, ownership, the big trap, and beliefs, the big addiction. And the, the, the wonderful, potent force that sort of cuts that Gordian knot that we were, were knotted up in is this other finer attention. Because the amazing thing, when there is a shift in awareness, when my self-awareness, when my activated attention can become receptive enough so that I become aware of this animating quality in me. It's as if it's a newborn pure awareness. There's, you almost feel as if there isn't even a body here. You know, there's just a flow here. I know people have had this experience. And there's no, there's no thoughts about anything in particular. In, in the sense, they just drop away on their own. There's nothing to be owned. There's nothing to be wished for uh, in the moments that one is really concentrated and, and letting this flow uh, be the primary uh, focus. It's like it's like the Latin term tabula rasa, clean slate. What preoccupied me a half an hour ago, problems in my life, uh, things that I wish would happen in my life, all this stuff it just drops away because it's nowhere near as compelling as just mm. tasting this energy and being in this energy that's so near to us and so accessible at any moment. And, of course, seeing is the 
is the is the opening of the door to making that possible. So beliefs and ownership seems like a big problem. Attention at this level cuts through it and it just drops away. And it would really be wonderful to have a few minutes every day of living in this finer attention. Wow. Okay, so then this is the way I just sculptured your words. Ownership is the big trap, belief, the big addiction. They blind our awakened attention when the flow of having been giving is the taste of delicious eternal beginning. So I think we can be at ease loving and being loved and not possessing and being burdened by ownership, nor by feeling self-aggrandized by what we apparently own. You know, it's so interesting because I work a lot with uh, enlightened teachers um, mm-hmm. as, as a therapist. <laughs> you know, so I'm very helpful. <laughs> you know, does that make me the more enlightened? No, it doesn't. But I do think that the burden of enlightened teachers is, oh my gosh, I'm going to let all my followers down if they know about this glitch in my personality. Um, or uh, enlightened teachers that live in the fear of, oh, I'm not going to have enough. I'm not, how am I going to attract my clientele? How am I going to pay my bills? And so they live in that fear of, of, of not being able to attract enough to themselves. And then they become very clutchy in the process of it. So they, so their flow is completely glummed up. It's, it's the cholesterol of their spirit. And um, this one quote is definitely the statement of, of breathe out, let us flow. <laughs> it wasn't yours to begin with. Yes, you do have needs. You do have needs. There's no question about it. Um, and maybe it's, the, it's those needs that make us want to own. So how do we deal with that we do have needs. We have materialistic needs and we want to live at a certain level and our materialistic needs mean that we have, we need to own a shelter or we need to own a car in California. I don't know about Connecticut. We need to <laughs> own devices. Otherwise, we don't have businesses because how can you have a business without a phone? You know, that kind of thing. So there is a, there's a sense of need of needing to own. So well, how do we take care of needs? What's Murphy's deal on needs? The idea that you mentioned about um, enlightenment, you know, and enlightened teachers, I think we, uh, for myself, and I, I'm sure there are a few people on the planet that are living uh, moment by moment in uh, a heightened state of awakening, a few. Uh, I think for for me and possibly many of us, um, it's a, uh, a going away and a coming back, a going away from uh, presence, a going away from self awareness, a going away from awakening, and then a coming back. And that's that's the process. That is the process. Both parts of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and the. Uh, I don't think that there's anything in human experience in my in my human experience that needs to be given up or uh or or uh you know put down. I think that the marvelous thing about this idea of living in both streams and the actual reality at moments at least during the day of living in both streams 
aware of both streams, is that everything is really just fine on the regular level. Own things, buy cars, make money, talk about consciousness, all that's just fine. Uh, so long as there's this other freeing uh, quality and enough of a return, a frequent enough return to what I really am. Because, you see, the, um, I think the secret is, uh, Carol, there is no you. <laughs> there is no me. <laughs> there, no you, no problems, right? <laughs> there is no you. So if I can continue to believe, uh, and the only thing that cuts, I said, this this knot of belief is actually to have moments of, of living in the finer attention, the sacred energy. The uh, These beliefs that, you know, I should do this. If there should is, there's a should in my head. If, there, if that's in the sense of I should do this, I shouldn't do that, I should do this, I'm at the level, I'm at a, definitely at a, a lower level. It's not the truth. It's just not the truth. So I don't want to cherry pick what I like and don't like about um, myself, and I don't want to cover up and mask something uh, to other people uh, uh, about myself. I mean, I have to display that I'm an idiot, of course, but <laughs> I mean, they're going to see it or they won't see it anyway. But uh, you know, at any moment, you know, we can be idiots. And we we can succumb to um, just a, a lower or ordinary level of consciousness. It's fine. So long as when that happens, we're reminded that there's a whole nother hidden dimension to us. It's hidden from everyday mind when, when the mind is so involved in these other things. So that this, these wonderful practices are happening, and you know, practically in you know every street corner. I mean, you've got the yoga studios, you've got the Cohen salons, you've got mindfulness in the corporations, you've got you know, jolly good fellow at Google going around and teaching people how to meditate. You know, I mean, excuse me, this is this is a whole new uh, uh, atmosphere. You know, people feel that there's something very good about being mindful. So. It's going to help us see that we can also have this the same perspective that we feel this um, that we don't have to interfere at that uh, lower level so long as we understand this shift into the fuller human being that I am. So long as I can come into my birthright, so long as I can be aware of this very subtle energy that's um, animating me, because that's the teacher and it puts everything in its place because no one part of me then can dominate. The ego can't dominate. The greed can't dominate. They can all be there. Everything can be there to walk, to talk, whatever those attributes are that that we we all have as human as humans as, as you know in that form they can all be there but they don't dominate so there's nothing uh troublesome about them once there is this accompanying balancing uh perception of the energy animating us that's been my experience it's enormously freeing as i say i don't have to fix myself i don't have to give up anything uh, all these things are natural. Of course you want to have a nice house and you want to provide for your family. You want them to be happy. You want to, you know, have good food and you want other people to be healthy and have good medical care. You know, all these things that we want, all of our fear of something or desire of something, all very natural. But the fundamental thing that we uh, could do, and, and I don't know if we can do it, it's more like being in a receptive mode. I can't make myself wake up, but I can 
begin to see myself become more and more sensitive to impressions than possibly I can recognize this quality that's animating me. And when I do, it's a completely different creature here, as Murphy said. And for those moments, there's nothing troublesome about anything about wanting to own this. or It's not even on the radar because something so much more compelling is on the scene. And I really think it, it allows a real love to flow through us because it's not me trying to love or me trying to accept myself there's a something there's a quality flowing through whose goodness is like a capital g it's the word lord in the title lord have mercy that word lord also means all of these qualities we experience when we wake up love capital l intelligence capital i intelligence it's an intelligence that has nothing to do with conceptual thought it's an intelligence a higher intelligence and light and love and Lord, so um, I'm not too troubled by these these things, uh, so long as um, this possibility of shifting into a, a, a consciousness, an unlimited dimension of consciousness, by the way, that um, brings balance, and none of these other parts will dominate can dominate then. Beautifully said. We are talking to Franchal. Actually, we're mesmerized by what Franchal has to share with us as she walks us around and in the flow of her book, One of Several. This is Dr. Franchal. And her website is Franchal Books. And you have a number of books. I don't want to get us too far off topic, but let's come down to the, the base. Give us a, a, a very brief tour of your other books. How kind of you to ask! <laughs> yeah, they, they are. That's so sweet. Um, they are uh, the 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 last three books are all about attention. They're all on FranshawBooks.com. This is just a new website, and uh, the one before Lord Have Murphy, uh, which is sort of uh, you know has the humor because humor lightens us up too. We have to be able to laugh when we're like idiots, you know, we have to just see that's a contracted say we have to laugh about it. So Murphy has that plus there's the voices other voice in the book that gives you some discussion about attention. The book before this is actually an account it's called Notes on the Next Attention. The next attention is another word for this uh sacred energy. And this is an account of uh, the work, working with a teacher who uh, is no longer, uh, who has passed uh, who for many years, someone that I worked with. Uh, and he, it's his speaking uh, about the next attention. And the book is a, not a conceptual book, it's a, energetical book it's about it carries a vibration uh this is a person the vibration of of another uh level is in all the words of that book i i do the introduction but the the rest are my recollections of things that were said uh on these very private uh retreats in switzerland that resonated the most with me that i had written in my journal so that i could share with my husband and other people who weren't there and then they i so we put them in print and then the book before that is uh, Writing My Yoga, which is about um, writing from a, a state of presence. But it also has journal entries and poems for presence, poems from uh, periods on retreat as well. 
those are three. And then I've written books about writing, like 50 Ways to Help You Write, and uh, several other things. I've written some children's books and a whole bunch of different books. <laughs> the three books oh, on attention, though, are at FranshawBooks.com. We need to get all those books on your site. This is Dr. Fran Shaw. Fran Shaw. Fran, FranshawBooks.com. Well, Fran, we have six more minutes. That means we have to choose carefully. So to go back to the topic you were on, because I just want to give you a chance to let people know about your other writings, but the phrase that if something is bad or something is good, your guru says, I mean, if I can, if it's good, it's good to me. If it's bad, I make it good. You know that that's not exactly the way you say it, but can you say it the way Murphy describes it and then elaborate? Oh, I think you're talking about this this funny uh, transcript where you go on retreat with Murphy um, in uh, I think the um, the Sit Chat Ananda Institute in yes, Holland, yes, yes. <laughs> and yes. he even does a transcript of group meetings where you're talking to the the, the uh, teacher. And at one point, uh, when the teacher is asked a question, he says, um, uh, "If it's if it's." Uh, good, I good it. If it's bad, I good it too. And that's, that is exactly what we were speaking of before in the sense that no matter what is going on at any moment, the, the key to freedom and the key to higher states is gooding it. And by gooding it, we mean simply sh- shifting, shifting into first into this kind of seeing, which is the, the foot in the door. That takes, me, that takes me out of sleep, at least out of, you know, sort of automatic pilot mode. And uh, the, the seeing mode, that's gooding it. So I begin to see, I begin to have this impression of myself just as I am, just the body as it is. There's no judgment. It's not about content. It's not about what, what I'm seeing. I'm not gathering information. I'm just trying to have this observing, like the camera on me, and sensing, observing, listening, and then possibly moving into this receiving mode, sensing even more deeply inside, sensing what's actually animating the the voice, the movements, the the whole body that's flowing through me, around me, in my atmosphere and around. So I'm gooding it. And if it's bad, if I'm down the rabbit hole and uh, you know, slumped over and 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 feeling like I want to cry or on a sugar low or or I've got some bad news or uh, frustrated, things aren't happening the way I want them to, and I just notice that I'm in that state. Well, that's the foot in the door too, because I could just then notice my body that way also. Doesn't not to change it. I mean, so there's my jaw. It's like that. Oh, there's my stomach. It's like that. There's my shoulders like that. You know, just this scene of the body it loosens the hook it loosens the hook because we get hooked our attention gets hooked it shrinks our world contracts and the hook is in charge so this loosens the hook if i can just have this camera on me then too then too i could have this observation of my body not that i want to change my state although i suppose that's a good motivation but you know it doesn't even matter what the motivation is because once one crosses the threshold into a more aware state and then possibly even to an awakened state, it doesn't matter what the motivation was. Sure, maybe I do want to get up feeling bad. All right, well, that's a good enough reason to try to do it, <laughs> to try to be seen. Why not? doesn't matter about the motivation. All that drops away when the shift actually occurs. doesn't matter what brought me there. 
And I think we have an awful lot of suffering that could be used for that very thing, just to remind us that, oh, you're suffering. You don't need to suffer because there's some part of you that always is never suffering. No matter what's going on with the form and the fran and the this particular you know, incarnation, there's something in me that is never suffering, that's always alive and vibrating with life in me, in you, and everyone listening. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. Okay, Fran. That's uh, everybody. You can probably tell that she speaks. She's uh, every word probably has many layers of meaning and understanding, as does her book. It is a quick and interesting read if you read through it quickly. But more to the point, it will be a meditative chapter where you'll go away amused, not taking yourself so seriously. And at the same time, taking everything quite seriously from the standpoint of what does it mean to be awake in this moment? And if I found myself asleep, oh, how great that is, because now I can just easily wake myself up, which was another attitude I loved about the book. Fran, we are about to end. So what are your parting words to everybody here other than to go purchase your book, Lord Have Mercy? Carol, what you just said was so marvelous. No, just like Murphy's attitude, but I can work with that. You know, whatever is happening, but I can work with that. I love that about Murphy, too. Yes, we can live in a new way. I, I just love that what you had just said because it's, it's exactly what I would hope the takeaway would be. And, you know, I really think this other level of being alive is so very close, and and from it comes my best action in the world and my best action for others. And I absolutely feel, Carol, even though you read it fast, you absolutely got something. I'm so proud of Murphy. <laughs> I want everybody to enjoy it and laugh and feel. And, and, and uh, what I wish for all of us is awakening. And I'm sending love to everyone right now and you too. Ah, oh, that is beautiful. Folks, this is about opening yours to whatever it is, whether it's your third eye, your gut, your heart, your awe, your OG, whatever it is, you're waking yourself up living outside your box and inside your box, both comfortably, fluidly, enjoyably. And you have a lot of wonderful moments ahead of you as you grab hold of Fran Shaw's book. Thank you, Fran, so much for joining us. This has been a fast and enjoyable conversation. Thank you very much. Wonderful, Carol. Thank you. Folks, we'll see you down the road. Cheers.